All right, I have Lydia with me. Lydia, can you tell me, have you ever made food without a recipe before? Yes. What'd you make? I made, I melted chocolate in the microwave and then I um, put it over strawberries and bananas and apples and fruit. Nice. Did you let it be in the fridge or did you eat it right away? I let it be in the fridge. Ooh, nice. So it hardens a little bit. Yeah. That sounds so delicious. Well, thank you so much for sharing. <laughs> Bye. One, two. Let's sit down and talk about your story. I'll show you that you're far from boring. Life's a whole lot better when you share with someone that cares. This is Happy Talks. Hey, you guys. Welcome to Happy Talks. This is Aaron. I'm Gavin. And I met Gavin through a Foundry group. Cause I don't think I met you like at Foundry. That's correct. Yeah. So, um, but I met him at Justin White's Foundry group yep. and he is a really cool guy. I always enjoy like hearing what he has to say. He's full of God's wisdom, though I'm sure he won't like proclaim that for himself. Um, <laughs> uh, but I'm really excited to hear what he has to say, hear his story. and. I hope you guys are listening and enjoying it yourself. All right, you can go start wherever you like. <laughs> Time to start, huh? Oh, yeah. Go for okay. it. Okay. Well, um, well, Aaron, first of all, thank you again just for the <laughs> opportunity to, to share. I uh, oh, don't really know exactly what's going to come <laughs> out or, or whatever. So uh, if it if it's okay, could we just take a, a quick minute and just, just pray and ask the Lord to just bless our conversation? And I would together. love that. Yeah? Okay. Um, Father... Uh, just want to thank you as always to just to be in your presence to, to come come before you anytime anywhere doesn't matter you're you're always present with us and you're always good no matter what the situation may appear to be and I pray for our conversation just that you would speak to both of us and that you would speak to, to those who may be listening I pray that you bless those who are out there in, in podcast land listening to uh, to this conversation just ask that you bless them and again bless this time and we thank you for who you are and your steadfast amazing love for us and thank you for always being for us and not against us and again we thank you thank you thank you in jesus name amen amen so um <laughs> so just kind of starting off telling the story i guess you know like you mentioned um, before we got started just talking a little bit about childhood mm -hmm. you know thinking about testimony i guess our testimony is really what god has done for us since mm -hmm. the time he comes into our life yeah. right and but it's good to get to know kind of what leads up to that mm -hmm. but then the things that he does after the fact are the really amazing uh, oh yeah cool things of course uh, how we got us through the bc days <laughs> are uh are, are great as well so um, grew up in South Jackson mm -hmm. uh, here in Mississippi okay. and uh, grew up in Cedar Hills right across from Forest Hill High School um, mom and dad uh, were from Jackson as well and um, lots of good memories mm -hmm. being being a being a kid uh, mm -hmm. had some great teachers as well in school in yeah. grade school that uh, really really impacted me and um, do you have any siblings? I, I do. I have two younger sisters. Okay. Um, Heath is in Laurel with her mm -hmm. husband. They uh, have a State Farm insurance company now. And then uh, my youngest sister 
Christine is in is in Boise, Idaho. She married a, she went to Christ for the Nations in Dallas and met a fantastic, okay. fantastic, amazing, godly guy there, and mm-hmm. and uh, he's from from Boise, okay. and so they stayed in Dallas for a while, but now they're back they're back there in Idaho, <laughs> and uh, my mom and stepdad moved out there um, a few years back as well, so they're they're now. Okay. Did you grow up in a Christian home? Uh, interesting question. So mm-hmm. mom was a believer. She took me to church. We went to the local Methodist church, Forest Hill United Methodist, uh, some. Uh, Dad himself grew up in a quote-unquote Christian home, mm-hmm. but uh, didn't really... That'll, that'll probably be part of the story here in a few minutes, but he didn't uh, attend. And, um, mm-hmm. and then I went to church some with his parents whenever I spent the night with them. You know, on the weekends. Yeah. Uh, as I grew up, at, we went. They went to First Baptist Jackson. Okay. So we went to. So I visited there. So I, you know, had some some experience growing up in the in the Baptist and the Methodist um, mm-hmm. church, and then both my parents played tennis. That's mm-hmm. how I got started playing tennis. Nice. Uh, which, um, when I was about six or seven, I, mm-hmm. I was adjacent to the tennis courts one day when they were playing tennis in our neighborhood. Cedar Hills and um, I don't know how to explain it but the presence of the Lord the Lord basically just showed up while I was in the playpen I was playing with a stretch Armstrong if you're familiar with those yeah things. Um, had a stretch Armstrong and and he just showed up he didn't I didn't hear him say anything but his mm-hmm. presence was so overwhelmingly real to me mm-hmm. that I knew at the time that what he was wanting was just for me to submit to him to mm-hmm. accept him, and, and I did. Wow, how old were you? Uh, six or seven okay. at, the, at the most. I, I don't think I had started school yet, so maybe maybe I was in kindergarten, so about gotcha. around, around six or so, okay. five or six. And in hindsight, what he did for me that day was significant for everything mm-hmm. that, that followed. Um, so as I, as I you know, continued to get a little older, mm-hmm. um, Normal, normal childhood up until about the time I was 11 or 12, I guess. Um, you know, I'd, some of my earliest memories, though, were of some, some difficulties in the house. Mm-hmm. You know, um, uh, basically, Dad was a, a, when he was not drinking, he mm-hmm. was a fantastic guy. He was mm-hmm. a very hardworking man. Yeah. Uh, did well, very well providing for, mm-hmm. for the family, which is, which is a godly thing to do. Yeah. You know, and he... And he loved us. He he did. Um, but uh, I now know, at mm-hmm. 51 years of age, that uh, his drinking was related to dealing with his own demons from growing up in a mm-hmm. in an interesting situation himself. Yeah. And so sometimes, you know, hurting people can mm-hmm. hurt people, and, and alcohol can become a vehicle through which unresolved concerns can manifest mm-hmm. and become challenging for other people. Yeah. And so that's kind of what happened in our house. Uh, I don't know how old I was, but I know that I was shorter than the height of a doorknob because I remember standing next to the door in my room, looking up at the, I, I could see the doorknob out of my peripheral vision, but anyway, just looking down the hall and uh, this was some one night, I, you know, I can remember, you know, seeing dad and mom arguing and he just, he pushed her so hard that, you know, she, he pushed her out of the window of the, out of a window. I mean, I mean, right. through through the through the glass, destroyed the yeah. glass and everything, and yeah. and then uh, so lots of memories like that. Mm-hmm. You know, 
through the years and then uh, started playing tennis seriously when I was 10 mm -hmm. really got into it and did pretty well yeah coming along and then uh, summer of 83 um, not really sure what was clicking maybe it was just uh, you know dad trying to live vicariously through through his kid but mm -hmm. uh, you know again drinking led to some really really intense frustrations yeah. uh, that summer with him and as a, uh, a 12 year old it was um, it was very shocking I guess I had seen mm -hmm. some things yeah you know but but it hadn't yet come to me right and then so when it when I when it finally was I guess my turn if you will um, it was really really uh, just intense and then mm -hmm. Um, shortly after that, a few months later, oddly enough, I developed uh, alopecia, mm -hmm. which is a just a medical term for hair loss. Yeah. And so, as a twelve-year-old, started to lose my hair. Oh. And um, I mean, in hindsight, you know, I think, my gosh, you know, why did I why did I let that even bother me? You know, mm -hmm. at the time, because it's so stupid just to let something like that, you know, being <laughs> a guy, I guess, or, or a boy. Yeah. But yeah, it was it was a. Um, you know some emotional challenges on, on top of, mm -hmm. of one another and uh, that just kind of exacerbated what was going on in the house mm -hmm. and then so so by the time I was 13 you know there was some uh, very emotional and challenging situations occurring mm -hmm. um, all the while some really really good things happening too yeah. um, so uh, like for example it's, it's kind of weird how, how the Lord <laughs> how the Lord works things right so when I realized, when the uh, dermatologist had told me regarding the hair situation that, well, you know, son, I, I can just tell you one thing. He said, he said, it's going to get a lot worse before it gets better and it may never get better. <laughs> I was like, oh, great. Well, thank you for that word of encouragement. <laughs> so uh, actually, I didn't say that, obviously. Mm -hmm. but, um, <laughs> so it was just kind of like, oh, my gosh, we're going to lose my hair. <laughs> but uh, um, why did I bring that up? I lost my train of thought. <laughs> Uh, How'd you get through what you were going through with your dad? Yeah, yeah. So, um, I'm, I'm sorry. Let me continue that stream of thought before I forget it. <laughs> Something you got to deal with when you grow older, too. Uh, <laughs> but when, I, when when the dermatologist told me that, first thing that came to mind was if I wanted an understanding, mm -hmm. you know, God, why is, this, why is this happening? Why are these mm -hmm. things happening to me? I knew that Proverbs was the book of wisdom. Yeah. Right? And so if you're going to gain understanding, that's where I went. So <laughs> I would... I mean, every day for I don't know how long, I would just comb through Proverbs, you know, hoping that the Lord would give me some answers just to why these things are going on. Yeah. Of course, he didn't do that, <laughs> but he uh, he took opportunity through Scripture mm -hmm. to ingrain some things into me yeah. that really began that formed part of the foundation of my my thinking. And number one, in all thy getting, get understanding. Mm -hmm. You know, for she is worth far more than you know precious jewels and hmm. anything. So I'm like, okay. So uh, continue to pursue understanding. Yeah. So that stuck with me. And then another thing was just how much Solomon talked about um, essentially waiting on the right lady. Mm. You know, because yeah. he talked about that quite a bit about how the you know the you know, young guys out there in the street and you know uh, totally unaware of the situation that was about to happen to him and mm -hmm. he did little did he know that it would wind up leading to the road of the dead yeah so um so he clearly ingrained that into me as well and uh consequently you know never never really dated very much mm -hmm. 
um, or not consequently, but anyway, just kind of <laughs> kind of as a part of that. But um, so some good things continue to happen. You know, I mean, I said some good things. I continue mm-hmm. to focus on my tennis. Tennis was a tremendous outlet. Mm-hmm. Lots of fun. Uh, lots of good friends. Good experiences. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, can't say enough good about that. Uh, it, it's interesting, you know, the Lord appeared to me or approached me the first time on the tennis court. And since then, mm-hmm. tennis has just been an avenue through which he's done so many different things. It's just kind of weird. Uh, so I'm very thankful for that. Mm-hmm. Um, so just a little little more examples of, uh, I guess, well, no, I don't, I don't need to go into too many examples for the sake of time, but mm-hmm. uh, just lots of challenges in the house, mm-hmm. you know, growing up, just some really, really, really intense situations. Uh, but one does come to mind again where I just want to briefly talk about the how the presence of God can just uh, change things without us really being aware sometimes. But mm-hmm. there was a time in my uh, junior year in high school where, uh, and at this time I was going to Madison Ridgeland High School, mm-hmm. or became Madison Central, but uh, Dad was a football player. He was a big guy, 6'5", very strong, you know, talented, athletic individual, and a big football guy. So he was glad that I played tennis, just like he did, but he really, really wanted his son to be a football player. Mm-hmm. Did not like the fact that I refused to play because uh, I just <laughs> wanted to play tennis all the time. Yeah. And so he had had enough of it one day, and uh, we were in the kitchen, and, um, you know, he got physical that day, you mm-hmm. know, and uh struck me really hard you know three times across the left side of the face you know with with the palm of his hand Mm -hmm. but uh you know nevertheless it was you know pretty intense and knocked me down on the ground you Mm -hmm. know and each time you know i would have to um you know kind of collect my senses and stand back up but it infuriated him that i would stand back up as though i was challenging his authority or or manhood and so Mm -hmm. he would you know strike me down a little bit harder the next time and so the third time um, I pulled myself up. I was pulling myself up by, by the sink, and then when I came, stood up, I saw a butcher knife right there next to my right hand. Mm-hmm. And the thought came into my mind that I could end all this nonsense right now. Mm-hmm. And so, for a moment, you know, there was a temptation mm-hmm. to use it. But when that thought came in and settled, right behind that, that same peace and presence. But I felt in that playpen that day mm. came over me and just yeah. reassured me that uh, everything was going to be okay. Mm. And it was just weird because in the middle of a really long and drawn out intense situation, his peace, as, as, as we know, Scripture says that, you know, we make our petitions known to the Lord and the peace that transcends all understanding mm. will guard our heart and keep our minds. Yeah. And so that's, that's what happened. And so I just sat there for maybe maybe just a couple of moments and just meditated on that. And I turned around and at that time, dad's face changed and he stood up a little more erect and just kind of looked at me with a quizzical look on his face and didn't say anything, just walked off. Mm. And that was the end of that. Mm. So to this day, I don't know what happened, but clearly the Lord's intervention mm. changed that situation that day. So, yeah. um, Did you ever resent your dad? I don't know. I honestly don't know. Like I never, I, I was, it clearly left me with a lot of, I, I was, I was, uh, it, it left me being emotionally uh, disturbed. Mm-hmm. 
and uh, lots of lots of undercurrent of just pain and frustration. Yeah. But I never felt angry mm-hmm. towards him. But I was I was deeply hurt and frustrated. Yeah. I I don't I, I don't know if I was angry or resentful. I just um, I don't know how to answer that to be honest with you. In my okay. in my in my mind, in my conscious mind, I don't think I was. Yeah. If did, that makes sense. Did yeah. you ever have, like, develop a healthy uh, relationship with him as an adult? No. Mm. But there's an interesting story at the tail end of it because he, he did pass away January 4th of 2019. Mm. And I'm pretty sure that in his way, he tried to make things right, mm. which was, it's, it whew, still brings, it, it, it messes with me. It, he, I, think, I think the Lord did something really good through him to try to reconcile the best way that he could. Mm-hmm. So maybe we'll get to that. Okay. But uh, so I went to college and um, and uh, to play tennis at William Carey. Mm-hmm. One of the best times of my life. Mm-hmm. It was truly, truly a, a blessing from God. It was a miracle that I got to play there. Mm-hmm. Um, wanted to play at Bellhaven, but uh, that didn't work out. But the coach there helped me to get on at William mm-hmm. Carey. So I'm very thankful to Mr. Boatler for uh, helping me get on at William Carey. And um, went down there uh, the sophomore year, and I, 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 on a side note, I also happened to be really into playing the electric guitar by then, mm-hmm. and so uh, I was playing fairly seriously. And so the, the two main things in my life that are, that that dominated my time and thinking were uh, tennis and and uh, playing the guitar. And I was obsessed with a band called Rush. I mean, it's just like I ate, breathe, drink, sleep, anything pertaining to uh, that rock group. Mm-hmm. And um, but my sophomore year in college, I uh, some of the guys invited me to go to a on-campus student-led revival, mm, wow. and we had a guest speaker who was not a student that night, but uh, his name was Glenn Watley from Laurel, mm. and he read from the I don't remember what all he talked about, but when he read through the book of John, where it says, you know, that if any man wishes to enter into the kingdom of heaven, he must come through me; mm. otherwise, he is like a thief and a robber. You know, if he tries to enter in any other way. Yeah. And so in that moment, it just, you know, the Lord cut me to the quick and mm-hmm. let me know that, you know, I, I had not, um, I had been living for other things mm-hmm. and had not made him, you know, number one in everything. Yeah. Um, so I made that commitment that night, you know, as mm-hmm. far as I hear you, Lord, it's uh, your number one in everything. So how did your life change after that moment? Like, how did that look differently? Yeah, yeah. So that's a great question. So again, you know, being, um, I mean, lots of great friends, lots of great things going on, but still, you know, this undercurrent Mm -hmm. of of stuff going on. And so still dealing with stuff from the house. Mm -hmm. And uh, I didn't really, what I found during those days was that I did not know how to communicate very well, even though I had lots of friends and you know, got voted on various, you know, popularity things in school mm-hmm. and college, you know, I still had just a lot of, a lot of issue knowing how to uh, communicate various things, especially yeah. communicate effectively. Mm-hmm. Not saying that I'm the best now, but <laughs> it's like, hopefully a little bit better than it was then. Um, so, you know, it, there were some, I, I began to, I wanted to take a, uh, a get, get a biblical minor, so I enrolled in a bunch of classes uh, just hey, you know, I'm at a Christian school. I can, I can go to these classes. They're going to teach me how to seek the Lord, pray, mm-hmm. find God. It's going to be amazing. So, uh, which was a really good time. Um, 
but it also some of that actually intensified some of the things that were going on in my personal life because you know there, I'm exposed all of a sudden to lots of debates mm-hmm. arguments within Christendom as far as doctrinal stuff mm-hmm. yeah you speak in tongues you got a demon over here you need <laughs> you need to speak in tongues to show evidence of salvation I'm like oh my gosh you got to be kidding me <laughs> you know this can't be it right you know so that led to some some struggles just, just as an example mm-hmm um, and so I continued to, to seek, pray, read uh, the scripture. And uh, by the time I was in my fourth year, senior year in college, um, I actually was really, really struggling with a lot of anxiety and depression uh, pretty intensely. You know, like, God, you know, if, I mean, I'm seeking you. Why, why am I struggling with this? And it was, it was weird because some weekends and stuff, I mean, I was doing youth counseling up at Precept Ministries in Chattanooga. You know, I had some friends uh, that were connected there and great people. And, um, but, you know, all the while struggling internally Mm -hmm. with various things. And it was, uh, you know, I began to hear, I was hearing some voices. Mm -hmm. You know, you can't be, you you can't be a Christian and and dress like that. Mm -hmm. You can't be a Christian and say these things (laughs) or listen to this kind of music or just, and it was, it was, it got to the point to where it was tormenting. Yeah. And so, you know, getting close to sometime after Christmas in my fourth year, it, it was so, so rough that I was ready to put it all to rest yeah. permanently, you know, and and uh, and so I, I knew that the Lord allowed me to, to just believe that if he spoke everything into being from nothing, mm-hmm. he can do absolutely anything. There's nothing yeah. he can't do. Um, and so I was like, look, I don't care what these people are telling me. Mm-hmm. If you created everything from nothing, I know that you can speak to me. Yeah. I just need to hear, I need to hear your voice. Mm-hmm. And so for a few months, I would spend every day in my dorm room on the floor, you know, face down, just not, not, not talking the whole time praying, but I would just ask him, you know, God, I, I, I need you. I need to hear mm-hmm. from you. I yeah. just need to know that you're real and that you've got this and that you're in charge. Yeah. And so it was around three months of doing this. You know, I was fasting some, praying, you know, and I was, I was laying there on the floor one day and, uh, and I looked up and there's a man standing right in front of me. Mm-hmm. You know, so I see these two feet he was Caucasian, uh, didn't have burnished bronze colored skin or anything mm-hmm. like that, and there were no holes in the feet, so I was assuming this was an angel, mm-hmm. you know, not not the Lord himself, but an mm-hmm. angel, and it terrified me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I didn't have the courage to, to say, you know, who are you, or, you know, what do you have to say, you know, or, or, or uh, so I, I just, I looked back down, and, uh, you know, just praying, <laughs> waiting on the Lord to say something, and, and I looked back up, and, and he was not there. Mm-hmm. But it was it was very clear that there was somebody standing there, yeah. and so for the next few days, um, I mean, kind of like Isaiah. I mean, I, I wasn't undone to the point where I couldn't completely not eat, but uh, mm-hmm. it was it was scary. So I went. I was just going through this period of uh, internal struggle. But also, also that day uh, when I when I when I saw the man's feet, before I closed my eyes, I looked down in the scripture in the Bible that was right in front of me. And I think the Lord 
supernaturally transposed the, the letters that I was reading on this page because I still have this Bible and I have looked numerous times to try to find this exact verse on this exact page and I have not been able to find it. Mm-hmm. But I looked down and it was like fire was going across these letters and it said, you do not know me like you think you know me. Mm-hmm. And it just scared the mess out of me. <laughs> but I began to uh, you know, pray and fast and, and just seek the Lord all the more. And then an amazing thing happened. So at the end of the school year, I uh, called up to some friends that I had met at Precept Ministries, mm-hmm. uh, Michael and Carol Matthews. Mm-hmm. Amazing, amazing godly people. They're, uh, they're past now. Mm-hmm. But I called up the Matthews and I said, I said, um, if y'all don't mind, can I just, can I come up to y'all's, to y'all's place there at the, at the campus and like a week early, I was gonna be part of their summer boot camp. And I said, I just, I need to get away, you know, and try to just, just get away from things. And, and uh, Carol was like, sure, honey, just come on, you know, we'll put you up downstairs. And so I went up there and uh, got there on a Friday night, a week and a half before we started, a week and a few days. And I didn't know Carol that well. Mm-hmm. But when I got there that night, uh, got there a little bit late, they were getting ready to go to dinner. She said, come on, jump in the car with us. You know, we're going to go to dinner. You can go and, you know, we'll just have a good time. Mm-hmm. Went to downtown Chattanooga, went to the River Walk, and it was amazing. But mm-hmm. when I got in the car, and that was my first time experiencing anything really, really prophetic. Mm-hmm. Um, she said, you know, she I could just see her looking, not at me, but into me. Mm-hmm. And it sort of kind of unnerved me a little bit, but yet there was this peace. And so she said, honey, just sit in the front seat, sit in the front seat. I was like, okay. And then so she sat in the back seat, you know, Michael's driving. And she just kind of reaches over in between both of us, you know, puts her elbows on the seats. And she says, she says, Gavin, what is going on with you? Mm-hmm. I can see that the Lord is doing something. And he's about to put a crack in your heart. Mm-hmm. I had no clue what she was saying, mm-hmm. but it was the most warm, inviting thing, yeah. even though I had no idea what she was talking about. And so later when we got back that night, you know, they, they, they put me up downstairs. And Aaron, when I walked into this bedroom, you know, it was one of their bunk rooms, you know, yeah. like 20 other bunk beds in there. I had never experienced the, the, the manifest presence of the Lord that way. Mm-hmm. I walked into a swimming pool of peace and joy that was absolutely undeniably overwhelmingly real it was every bit of anxiety and pressure and stress that I knew up until that point was completely gone mm-hmm. completely completely free of all that stuff and I, I, I didn't I did not know how to respond or what to do yeah. and I just went over and laid down and uh, fell asleep in the most incredibly intense peaceful state of sleep mm-hmm. woke up presence of the Lord is still there the whole time I was at that camp that summer I could go to that room and his peace like that was just unbelievably tangibly overwhelming and uh, and so transformation began to happen in his presence you know there's a calming and a soothing of things can begin to perceive things different whether we know it or not at the time Mm -hmm. he's touching us and when he when he when he touches us He's, he's shaping and molding and 
you know, healing and doing various things. And so, oddly, I had to go back uh, a week and a half, two weeks later, drive down to Gulfport, Mississippi, and be in, a, be in my best friend's wedding. And when I crossed over that Tennessee-Mississippi line in the car, all of a sudden, all that pain and anxiety jumped on me in that car mm-hmm. to the extent that it was suffocating. And I was like, I was like, God, I cannot go back into this. I was like, I, w- I my heart will just die. I'll die. I'll die. I can't. Mm-hmm. I can't live like this. Yeah. And in that moment, the scenery in front of me completely changed. Mm-hmm. It's the only time to this day that I've had a, what I believe is an is an open vision. Mm-hmm. I wasn't seeing the car. You know, all I saw was a big blue sky with some clouds here and there. Mm-hmm. And. Uh, He said to me out loud, he said, if you died right now, would you trust me with your soul? Mm -hmm. And it was so intensely uh, intense that I I was afraid to to say anything. I didn't know how to to speak to him, but eventually did mustered up the courage to say, say, you know, because I I knew that I already trusted, but just getting it out to him was, for whatever reason, challenging. (laughs) And uh, and I did. I said, I said, yes. I said, yes, yes. I, I trust you. I trust you. And then I saw his hands come out of the clouds right in front of me. Mm-hmm. And it, in, in his humor, which he has humor, <laughs> uh, he had on a, a, like a navy coat with gold cufflinks and armbands. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking he's a bellhop, like, <laughs> like at a hotel, you know. And which was which was interesting because what then happened was, you know, and, and he had his hands palm face towards me. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking he's a bellhop, and then. All of a sudden, in this vision, I see my hands lifted up to his. Mm. And in each hand, I've got three or four very massive, heavy suitcases. But then he takes those suitcases from me, took Mm. my baggage. And all of that peace and joy that I felt in the Matthews basement Mm. flooded into the car. And he delivered me from all of that pain and grief. And so for the next... 10 hours or whatever in the car I just had a worship time with the Lord and it was the most amazing thing it was like the birds were literally like you know when I got out to for a you know bathroom break or whatever it was like everything was surreal you know every the sky was bluer the birds were singing and just everything was just like intensely aware and uh, went down there to Tommy's wedding and we had a great time and went back up to the camp went back to the you know the, the bunk room and it was just amazing and but then everything was different from that point as far as as far as his presence mm-hmm. was which was there before was now it was just different and I was seeing things he, he was moving in all kinds of circumstances it was like everything around me for months, every day, there was just divine, natural, supernatural events and things happening, things that, and, and one of the coolest things that happened was at that point when I began to read scripture, it was not like I was even trying, I didn't have to study it. Mm-hmm. It was like, it was like he was telling the story and mm-hmm. things began to fit together uh, simply, you know, mm-hmm. uh, just connecting the dots between the history of it and just all kinds of stuff. It just became... 
it was almost like I was watching a movie. Mm-hmm. Like things just began to become so vivid. Yeah. You know, read things, see things, and you know, imagining uh, things that were going on. Especially like with uh, I spent a lot of time reading through the Chronicles and the Kings and mm-hmm. First and Second Samuel. The, the life of David was just incredibly fascinating to me, and um, I spent a lot of time there. And then, of course, in the Gospels, you know, it was like I was mm-hmm. going back and forth, you know, between the Gospels and and uh, and with uh, Old Testament stuff and. And he was uh, just just did some amazing things, and so I mean, I, so that was basically the history up until until that point. So mm-hmm. I don't know if if I got saved when when I was six years old in that playpen, or when I was mm-hmm. twelve seeking him, you know, when my hair fell out, or mm-hmm. you know, at the point of time, you know, in college at the student led revival, or but it's just my my current understanding that that I, I know now. That either way, in the car that day, he he delivered me from the oppression of a religious spirit. Mm-hmm. Just the the in hindsight, um, I, I can see now how just what religion, uh, all that stuff without Christ, mm-hmm. what it can do to to people and to families. Um, my dad's mom, you know, nothing against her, but the stuff that that she that I now understand that, that she brought to the table made it extremely difficult for my dad growing up. Mm-hmm. And uh, and he basically, his whole life, you know, was trying to get out from underneath the oppression from her stringent, stringent, dogmatic, critical, abusive influence. Mm-hmm. You know, she didn't drink, she didn't do anything, but just her way of being was so intense that he didn't know how to escape from underneath that. Mm-hmm. So he was always looking for an outlet, and even as long as he was alive, you know, she was always, you know, just trying to control his life. Yeah, drove him to drink himself to death. It's really insane mm-hmm. uh, how they can. So I know that that same level of oppression was trying to crush me as a kid. Yeah, and uh, I, b- I believe that's what the Lord delivered me from, and mm-hmm. and uh, so there was just all kinds of neat things that uh, had happened throughout. Uh, throughout the years since then just um, you know I could I could go through you know and discuss various uh, events that were maybe not as overtly as intense of what other expansion in the car mm-hmm. but just how he moved and uh, so basically over the years you know continuing to see him move in different ways in mm-hmm. people's lives and allowing me to partner with him partake in things that he was doing similar Mm-hmm. To, when I say similar to that, I just mean any kind of supernatural occurrence, yeah, uh, or just manifestation that would just allow me to uh, meet somebody where they were, right? You know, for whether it was just to bless or encourage or or, or whatever. Or uh, I mean, I know one guy while I was in college at some point after that, I had tried to. He was, he was a neighbor, and I was trying to explain these things that were happening to me at the time. Of course, he was he was um, he worked offshore and on two weeks, off two weeks, and uh, drank all the time when he was when he was uh, next door and stuff. But, you know, me and my neighbor were trying to, you know, befriend him and witness to him. And, and one day he came over with this really interesting puzzle, and uh, he just asked me if I could solve it. And I said, well, no, I've never seen that before. And he said, no, nah, man, you can do it, come on. <laughs> and uh, But it was just really difficult, and I knew that I couldn't figure it out. And I asked the Lord, and I was like, would you just give me a picture in my mind of what this thing looks like completed mm-hmm. so that I can see how to 
put it together and then I'll explain to him that you showed it to me and, and this, that, and the other. So I just went ahead and put the, he, he, yeah, the thing just came to mind and I saw it. I was like, oh my gosh, this is really cool. <laughs> so I put the whole thing together and presented it back to, to Robert. And he's like, oh, so you did know how to do this. I was like, no. I said, actually, I just, while you while you presented it to me, and I was just asking the Lord if he would give me a picture. And just explain to him what I just said to you. Yeah. And he just started laughing. He said, oh, that's not God. You just knew how to do it. And he just walked off. But, you know, so even though he didn't necessarily buy it at mm-hmm. the time, I mean, it was just, just overwhelming that the mm-hmm. Lord would communicate. So, so throughout the years, being able to enjoy intimacy with him mm-hmm. and pursue and cultivate intimacy yeah. that's where all of our life derives from mm-hmm. all of our not just peace and joy but everything that we have is in cultivating intimacy with him so the things in my past he used to drive me mm-hmm. to a point of seeking him and needing him yeah. to be to me what he wanted to be to me right and so you know, um, I mean, scripturally speaking, we look at the life of Joseph, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And, you know, he had an, the Lord gave him a dream when he was a young boy. Mm-hmm. He, uh, in his own immaturity and just not knowing how to manage that, wound up not handling it the way that later on he would have. And so it led for him to be sold into slavery, blah, blah, blah. We know the story. And, um, but later on, when he was underneath uh, Pharaoh and his and his family approached him in Egypt. Mm-hmm. You know, when he when he held back one of the brothers and they came back with Benjamin later on, you know, he sat them all in birth order. And then once they realized that something was going on, uh, he Joseph disclosed to them who he was and they thought that he was about to kill them. Mm-hmm. But he said, fear not, for it was not you that did these things, but it was the Lord. Yeah. So, so Joseph came to a point where he realized that the Lord had used all those circumstances to put him in a position of providing a salvation and heritage, yeah. not just for the people of Egypt, mm-hmm. but for the surrounding world, including his family. And had he given in to bitterness or anger and chosen to kill them, we would have lost our entire spiritual heritage through the tribes of Israel, yeah. you know, including the lineage of Christ through them. And so... So the Lord takes opportunity through all of our circumstances, whether it's before we know him or after we know him, to, to mold us into to who we are for the purposes that he wishes to to use us. You know, it's amazing. And so, um, uh, again, when I was younger, uh, just with the various challenges I mentioned to you, um, I had massive stage fright, mm-hmm. you know, uh, deathly afraid of speaking in front of people. Um, but then shortly after college, you know, he put me in a, I mean, he allowed me to, to be in sales, which mandated that I <laughs> talk to people, yeah, <laughs> talk to people and, and be in front of groups and mm-hmm. at times do various kinds of teaching and training and different things and eventually uh, doing some, some managing. And um, so he, he definitely got me out of my comfort zones in different ways and since then has um, used work a lot to mm-hmm mold me and shape all different kinds of things yeah and where do you work uh now i'm at, I'm at nissan as a as a quality parts quality engineer okay and so uh i mean just for an example back in 2000 2008 or 9 one thing that he said to me one day i was actually driving somewhere mm-hmm. and he, he just said to me think better mm-hmm. 
randomly throws that out there to me, think better. And I'm like, okay, so what does this mean? <laughs> are you telling me I don't, I, I, I don't know how to think? I mean, what are, you, what are you trying to say? I don't know what this means. Um, I say that jokingly, but yeah, it's like, yeah. okay, well, what, you know, like, like the disciples said, Lord, what does this mean? What do we, what do we need to do? Mm-hmm. What does this mean? And what, do, what must we do is what they said. So I'm like, okay, what does this mean? And what do you want me to do? And uh, so in 2012, I got out of sales. And a little bit later on, I went to work mm-hmm. at Nissan. And uh, my manager wound up being somebody who reshaped how I think and process. Mm-hmm. And it was, I didn't realize at the time what the Lord was doing. Because as an engineer, we think completely different than we do as a salesperson. Yeah. Salespeople are greatly motivated to network and communicate and build friendships and relationships, mm-hmm. sometimes trying to champion others for their cause, yeah. this kind of thing, while engineers are focused on understanding design intent, mm-hmm. root cause of concerns and problem solving and fixing things quickly. Yeah. And the language is much different than a salesperson because mm-hmm. you don't want the fluff, you don't want all the excess mm-hmm. verbiage, you just want to know what's wrong, what's the problem, clearly define it, mm-hmm. how do we fix it? Yeah. And then learn how to wind up being much more brief and concise with the verbiage. And so it's actually much more efficient communication, although mm-hmm. it's not, uh, it, it just is what it is, just a different yeah. different way of communicating. So, so through that, uh, he has helped me to think much differently in that respect, which in hindsight, I think is, is a significant part of what he said back in 2008 or nine when he said, think better. Um, mm-hmm. and, and, and again, you know, it's just interesting to see how things work out because uh, I won't go into the, to the whole history, but uh, through tennis, I met this guy who was a senior manager at, at Nissan and um, eventually um, wound up interviewing and going to work out there. So the tennis connection mm-hmm. s- somewhat got me a, uh, an open door to, to, to be interviewed or looked at. And uh, my senior manager and I had been talking about a book that we that I we had read called uh, "Working with Emotional Intelligence" by Daniel Goleman. Fantastic book if uh, anybody hasn't ever read that. But the, my senior manager later on gave it to my manager to read, and so we're discussing various elements of it. And my manager, uh, about the time he was getting done with the book. He, he had a he had a second house down in South Mississippi, and he was leaving his house one day, coming back up to to the Jackson area, and a, a dump truck or some kind of a big work truck pulled out in front of him as he was leaving his house, hmm. and he you know felt the initial uh, frustration of just being cut off. Yeah. And but in that moment, remembered about some of the things that he had read in that book, hmm. and so instead of speeding around that that work truck really quickly he just stopped and waited to see what was going to happen and all of a sudden he saw a ball roll on the other side of that truck hmm. and then he saw a little three or four year old kid follow right behind that ball hmm. and so so he clearly knew that if he had sped around that truck it would have been likely that he could have hit that that kid hmm. and so he told me that you know the following Monday morning and I'm just sitting here thinking God, it's amazing how you, how, 
you know, sometimes he lets us see things in hindsight, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, I mean, just in in a similar way that Elijah was painting the history of his being here in our arena you know, with uh, Edward Kimball. Is that is that the guys? Now I can't remember the name. I can't uh, remember. Eric Kimball, Edward. Uh, but just the spiritual history of how how we got here at, at Boundary. Mm. It was really amazing, connecting the dots. Yeah. And so, um, you know, the Lord appears to me or get, gets a hold of me on the tennis courts later on. You know, go to William Carey, everything happens. And I wound up having some interesting situations that led me to uh, praying for, for physical healing. But the Lord brought me to this guy from India who was a senior manager at Nissan that helped initially provide the healing through his mechanical engineering understanding of uh, mm. the my tennis equipment that was causing me bodily injury that the <laughs> orthopedic surgeons couldn't figure out, you know, as far as why my arm, you know, why is my shoulder and elbow and wrist hurt? Well, you just need better equipment. <laughs> that, that's right. But so the, so my friend Surratt was able to provide within a matter of a few weeks, I started mm -hmm. really praying for this healing. I met Surratt. Surratt with his knowledge of things helped provide the healing. Yeah. I'm eventually out of Nissan. Surratt through sharing this, uh, you know, book that he and I have been talking about. Pass it along to the manager. The manager experiences this situation, and uh, the Lord likely prevented somebody from being run over. It's just amazing how the sequence of events uh, never ends. I mean, yeah. sometimes we don't see all the little inroads, no pun intended, <laughs> and things, but uh, but just one of the small things where He allows allows us to to be used or to to use and. Um, or to be, you know, to be used or bless others, and yeah. um, I don't know. There's all different directions we could take any of that mm. in conversation, but um, you know, my just one other point. My my sisters are doing are doing fantastic. My mother's mm -hmm. doing great now. They, um, the summer of '92 or '93, my my parents got divorced. Mm -hmm. um, lots of stuff going on as we discussed earlier at that time. Yeah. Um, really interesting stuff with that I will say that uh, I came home in the summer summer of 92 or 90 I think it was 93 when when that stuff I experienced in the car happened and so uh, I was trying to tell my dad about these things mm -hmm. uh, he, he for whatever reason at that point he didn't typically want to hang around with me a lot so mm -hmm. so one night I said look you know you can do the drinking I'll do the driving let's just hang out for a while and chat mm -hmm. right so 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 we did he, he got his beer or whatever and we went driving around and i was sharing with him all kinds of things that the lord was doing and uh you know there's a there's a verse i think in acts where it says that to him who has not had his eyes opened by the lord such matters matters of the spirit seem foolishness and a waste of time mm -hmm. and so i get done seeing my piece so to speak basically just sharing things that have been going on and dad looks at me and i won't say everything that he said but in the context of what he said, he did say that you're wasting your time with such foolishness mm. when you could be doing all these other things with, with the talent that God's given you. Mm. And I thought, holy cow, it's like, I don't want to be around the lightning as it strikes over here. Um, I mean, I say that jokingly, but yeah, right. it was, it was a, uh... so the next day he comes home early from work and is out in the backyard. Um, mom comes home and he begins to tell her, you know, listen to what your son had to say last night. Mm -hmm. And so she's like, well, I feel the same way he does. Yeah. And he says, all right, if you love Jesus Christ, get out of my house. Mm -hmm. Just get out. And so she literally began to run, but he attacked her. Mm -hmm. um, 
she probably wouldn't hesitate to tell the whole story, but he ripped off some of her clothing. She jumps, she manages to jump the fence. She's running down Hoy Road in Madison, mm -hmm. half dressed. And, but the Lord sent along a lady that had come out of a very similar situation mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, picked her up and said, she said something to the effect of, you know, ma'am, I know exactly what you're going through. The Lord's delivered me, you know, delivered me from it or however she said it, you know, get in my truck. We're going to, I'm going to take you wherever you need to go. And so then, um, but from that day forward, the Lord has blessed my mother. Mm. Shortly after that, after they got divorced, I can't, it wasn't long after, but he told her that he was going to, I'm trying to remember exactly how she, she said this, but it was like, I should know this because she's told me this numerous times, but the Lord told her, I will teach you what it's like to be loved mm. or so, something about like that. Yeah. And it wasn't long after that she met this guy, just the most loving, tenderhearted. She, she, she went from being married to all that chaos mm. to since that time, being married to this guy who is an amazing God-fearing guy, yeah. loves the ground that she walks on. <laughs> you know, it's just amazing to see how the Lord has blessed her in so many different ways for taking that stance for him. It didn't take long after that situation where dad wound up losing everything he had. Mm -hmm. And then things just continued to spiral up until the time he developed all kinds of medical conditions resulted mm -hmm. from, from the drinking. Yeah. And um, I will say this though, going back to what happened at the end of my dad's life, just mm -hmm. to, you know, of course we know in the end of, at the end of Malachi, before we get into the New Testament, you know, the Lord talks about how he's going to change the hearts of the sons to the, to the fathers and the hearts mm -hmm. of the fathers, you know, towards the sons. And, and so uh, dad played the guitar. That's how I got started playing the guitar. So we did some things, you know, together when I was younger. And um, he, we both always liked Fender Telecaster guitars, even though we never acquired any necessarily. Mm -hmm. But we, and, and then Tobacco Sunburst was always our favorite guitar for any color. Hmm. And uh, and he and he had this, um, he had a, a really nice early '70s Gibson ES335 black, you know, electric guitar that was his baby. Hmm. And um, but after he eventually lost everything. You know, he, he lost all of his guitar equipment and everything. And But there at the end of his life, um, after he passed, I uh, went to his house to try to secure it, make sure everything, he, he was over in Alabama at the time. Mm -hmm. And in the closet, in his closet, was a brand new in the box Fender Telecaster mm -hmm. that was tobacco sunburst mm -hmm. and a uh, Epiphone version of that same Gibson ES-335 except it was a little more fancy and had some additional perks to it. Mm. And um, and it, but it was brand new and he was, he had been bedridden for quite a while. So I knew he couldn't play. And the um, only thing I could think of was the only reason he would have acquired those at the very end mm. was he knew that I would find them. Mm. You know? Uh, and I think I'm pretty. I mean, I mean, he could have bought them just as a, as a selfish kind of a thing or whatever. But, but he never took them out of the packaging, mm -hmm. you know. And I'm I'm very confident that that was his way of just trying to 
say I'm sorry for everything I did. I'm sorry I let you down. But I do love you. And uh, he couldn't say it with words. Yeah. You know, I talked to him uh, since I since I moved up. To, I, I worked in Tennessee for a while. I moved up there October 15th of 96. And since, since Thanksgiving of 97, I only spoke to him twice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Those guys out there. <laughs> um, and uh, didn't go well, mm-hmm. you know, either time. So, but I'm pretty sure that in that in the in the end there, that's what he was trying to do was just in the best way that he possibly could. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that just goes to show you, you know, that. Well, it's, it's like I heard Billy Graham say one time. Mm-hmm preach the gospel at all times and when necessary use words so we can say things and get across how we feel sometimes without having to use language and I think that's what dad was doing so it was amazing Uh, I don't know any any uh, questions or thoughts at this point definitely Um, so as you've been like pursuing God like what does your daily walk with God look like today um, and what advice would you have for people that want to go deeper and want to pursue God more and they just have no idea how to start or where, what to do? Yeah, that's some great questions. Uh, great questions there. And so on a daily basis now, that's a, that's a very long and drawn out answer to try to simplify that as much as possible for the sake of time. Um, especially here in the past year, still a, a very deep, uh, happens to be a very deep refinement process. Uh, daily walk has to do with, um, again, lately during this time frame, him allowing me to uh, see more of uh, root causes of things in my family that are still within me. Mm-hmm. Um, after he passed in 2019, uh, my grandmother's still around. So mm-hmm. I basically assumed responsibility for, for working with her, trying to, and, and through working with her during this time, he's allowed me to see exactly what he, dad dealt with. And, and but, but to, to say that he's, he's allowed me to see all kinds of root causes of things in my family and in, and in my life. And he's been working on those, those, those roots. Mm-hmm. And so trying to comply and let him do surgery has has been a lot of what's been going on in daily life for the past years and there's been a lot of a lot of a lot of good so um you know staying staying in scripture uh is is extremely important um uh spending time in prayer is important you know fasting it's uh, which I, I confess i haven't fasted in quite a while um but but praying and, and, and reading and staying in, in, in fellowship mm-hmm. with the, with the brethren is is paramount for for good spiritual health and, and growth. Yeah. You know, we are not islands unto ourselves. Even though Scripture says that we are independently members of one another, mm-hmm. that implies you know that that we are independently members of a whole. Yes. So so we are not meant to be separated from the whole. Whew, yeah. Boy, we we really need to. Uh, to uh, maintain fellowship with the with the church community. So, again, daily daily life lately has, has still consisted of seeking him through through prayer and through uh, through scripture and through lately again just working through a lot of a lot of stuff from the past, which is very interesting. Um, 
as we move into the future. And and, and in regard to, you know, how can others cultivate their own intimacy mm-hmm. with the Lord, cultivate their relationship, you know, with God is, um, I, fa- I found to, can, can we be real? Mm-hmm. Number one, can we be real with ourselves yeah. in order to be real with Him? You know, in Second Chronicles, you know, he says that if my people who are called by my name mm-hmm. will humble themselves before me and confess their sin, then I will be just and faithful and hear from heaven. I will, I will cleanse them, forgive their sin, cleanse mm-hmm. them, right? Yeah. And so that process that he describes implies that we need to be able to agree with him that what he says is right and we're inherently wrong. Yeah. And, you know, it's not to be critical or condemning of ourselves. It's just mm-hmm. the fact that... We don't know better than God. Yeah, that's, <laughs> yeah. that's right. And he has, the, he has the final word, and he is always perfectly accurate and truthful and right in everything mm-hmm. about himself mm-hmm. and what he says. And so, you know, uh, in getting to know him, can we admit to ourselves that we're not him, we're not in charge or control, and God, I'm willing to let you change me mm-hmm. you know I need you to show me my actual condition and I, I need you to help me to be able to submit to you you know a few weeks ago Elijah in talking about uh, church community and you know what can we do mm-hmm. you know to improve our community and said so the first thing that we can do is to submit to the Lord's will yeah. and that's I, I agree with that mm-hmm. very much so and you know so Lord can you know help me to submit to you and be moldable Mm, You know, renew a right spirit within me, renew a right heart within me. You know, David prayed those things often. Mm. You know, Lord, give me a right heart. Renew my spirit. And we know that by staying in the Word, you know, He will renew our minds, you know, with the washing, the cleansing of the reading of the Word. So uh, it kind of reminds me, like, a lot of people are, like, they want their circumstances to change. And their situations to change, but they're not willing to change themselves. Aaron, that is so key. Were you? Were you were I was you thinking still... about that while. You, no, I was done. I was just thinking okay. about that while you were saying that. Yeah. See that that is that is such an important reality mm-hmm. that we need to come to terms with. Yeah. Because oftentimes the the way that he's wanting to meet with us mm-hmm. is in the circumstances that we experience, mm-hmm. and the question is. And I heard Henry Blackaby, who did the Experiencing God Bible study, he, he said this years ago when he, when he put that study together. But, you know, he said, if, if the Lord told you to go be a lumberjack up in Saskatchewan, Canada for the next 40 years, mm-hmm. and you were all by yourself up there with the trees, cutting down trees, could you do it? If that's where the Lord himself wanted to meet with you. Mm-hmm. You know, and so it posed the question, well, Lord, you can tell me to do anything, but do I do I really want to be with you? Mm. And and to your point about the circ- or going back to circumstances, you know, like with us Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, mm. you know, who were in the fire, you know, got yeah. thrown in the fiery furnace that Nebuchadnezzar had them thrown into. You know, they and, and this this is the way that that we should want or, or ask the Lord to, to at least help us become. Mm-hmm. You know, like those guys resolved in their hearts and minds because they told Nebuchadnezzar, you know, O king, we have no need to give you an answer regarding these things for our God is able 
to deliver us. Yeah. But even if he should choose not to, <laughs> we will not we are not going to deny him. Mm-hmm. Of course Nebuchadnezzar got really mad, <laughs> crank up the furnace seven times harder than normal. Mm-hmm. The guards were burnt up, they were thrown in. And then Nebuchadnezzar looks in the into the fire and sees a fourth man mm-hmm. who has the appearance of a son of God. Mm-hmm. And he told them to come out. Of course, we know the story, right? Yeah. The fourth one didn't come out. What? Well, you know, who? Who is it? But but the point is, is that the Lord wanted to. He he needed he needed Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to simply want to be so submissive to Him and so diligent to be pleasing to the Lord that even in the event that they were cast into the flames to the point of dying, which they didn't know what the result would be, mm-hmm. he met with them in that situation. And it's mm-hmm. the same with us, yeah. to your point. Lord, in the circumstances that I'm in, what is it that you're saying and doing? Grant me the grant me whatever I need to see and recognize to be at peace yeah. in these circumstances. Because it, tying this all back to what we started off talking about, mm-hmm. the peace of the presence of the Lord. Yeah. Um, thinking about Christ in the boat, being asleep with the disciples, yeah, which uh, is an, an amazing series of events. Not just that incident, but yeah. um, the things that followed mm-hmm. in that short period of time were astounding. But you know, he was he was completely at peace and at rest himself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the disciples literally thought they were about to die. Mm-hmm. They were panicked, freaked out. Rightfully so. I'm not. I'm not being critical of them. But the reason that they told him to wake up was not because they expected him to do anything. Mm-hmm. But they were like, you know, teacher, you know, got to save yourself. You know, you're about to about to die. Mm-hmm. And then so they saw him calm everything, and then everything else happened after that. But but the point is, is that like the disciples, it's just my conviction mm-hmm. that no matter what our circumstances. We always have the privilege of trying to, of being able to be that close to him to where not necessarily that he's going to cause our circumstances to be at peace like that storm, but we can be at peace next to him. They, they, mm-hmm. they could have, had they wanted to, in that boat they could have laid down next to him and they could have gone to sleep themselves. Mm-hmm in the midst of all that chaos. Mm-hmm. And and so over the years, you know, I've asked the Lord to, Lord, I know it's about being as close to you as I possibly can mm-hmm. because the circumstances bow to you. Yeah. They can't move you away mm-hmm. from being who you are. Right. Being, you're always at peace. You're always, he's, he's always peaceful. He's always joyful, I think. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't think he's this angry being that some folks make him out to be, you know, yeah. he's he's always peaceful and loving and kind, and and we have the opportunity to be close to him. You know, yeah. when we see when they crossed the shore that day, and, and the and the disciples were, you know, Scripture says about that situation in the boat that they were in such awe that they just sat there afraid to even ask one another. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, they, they did. They I think somebody did ask, "Who is this that even the wind and the waves obey him?" Yeah. But they were essentially scared because they didn't know what how this is even possible and then they get out of the boat in the land of the gadarenes and there's the 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 man possessed you know naked in the tombs everybody knew was demon possessed and then they're like 
everybody knew the story about this guy. Mm-hmm. No one could contain him. He was he was a problem, a major problem. Mm-hmm. He was a threat. And then so now they see this coming at him, but then they but they see this guy running at Christ, and then he just falls at his feet. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and he says, you know, have mercy on us. He's like, well, what is your name? We are legion, for we are many. You know, have, have mercy on us. Do not cast us into the abyss, but you know, send us into that herd of swine. Go. Hmm. He had mercy on demons. Yeah. And they saw the whole of the demonic realm hmm. fall at his feet. Yeah. Then they go back across the shore, and then he heals somebody. Um, I can't remember if it was the woman that was bleeding for seventeen years, or if it was bringing a kid back to life. But he saw. They saw Christ take authority over health. Mm. First it was the, the earth itself, then it was the spiritual realm, mm. and then it was the physical realm. And before before they went across the and before they experienced all that, you know, he had said, Take heed how you hear. Mm. And in that same context of conversation, he explained that to him who has, more will be given, but to him who does not have, the little that he thinks he has will be taken away. So it's my it's my current understanding that when he was saying that, he was basically saying, when he was saying, take heed how you hear, he who has the ability to hear from me, more will be given. Yeah. But to him who does not have the ability or the relationship with me mm-hmm. to follow me, what little he thinks he has will be taken away. Yeah. And then they went through all those series of events. <laughs> so the way that they were able to perceive how they hear things or how they perceived and heard things now all of a sudden was filtered through this guy mm. who has complete authority over everything mm. so had they known that had they known those things while they were in the boat with him mm. they probably would have been able to test better if I can use that word test in this mm-hmm. sense God if you're now they're looking at him as God you know God if you're or they may not have known that he was he was Christ just yet, but um, Peter later on, you know, admitted it. But had they known who he was, they could have, you know, thought to themselves, "If you're asleep in this in this thing, can I be asleep next to you also?" Mm-hmm. And I think oftentimes, regardless of what the circumstances result in, we have the permission. If that's a key word, if that's a good word, we have the permission in Him to be at peace because in Colossians when it talks about being hidden in Christ I think that a lot of you know because it says that uh, you know if we have died in him you know we we renewed raised Mm -hmm. to life hidden hidden in him and I think that place of hidden is that place of abiding in the shadow of the almighty is is that place of rest and peace you know that Hebrews rest that it talks about and and when we abide in that place of peace or which I think is the place of hiddenness he wants to speak to us and give us what we need in our circumstances so that we can then have the strategic wisdom from God to impact our circumstances mm-hmm. rather than the circumstances impacting us. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what Paul was saying when he said, I shall not be moved. Mm-hmm. He, had, he had come to a point in his walk with Christ where it didn't matter, you know, whether he was stranded at, at sea or beaten or whatever he all went through. He so wanted to be close to Christ. 
He didn't care what the circumstances were. But whatever they were, he was not going to be moved out of that place of unbroken fellowship yeah. with Jesus, you know. And so, uh, so daily life, you know, for the past few years has consisted of the things that we've talked about and just encouraging people to, uh, how do you cultivate your relationship with the Lord? Please consider taking some time out of, out of your day just to be still and know that He is God. Mm-hmm. That can be challenging in and of itself because the first thing I experienced in college when I tried to, to do that was all the clamoring within my own mind. Mm-hmm. The mind yeah. immediately wants to race and think about other things. Mm-hmm. And so there is a, there is, we can come to the, to the place and, and within ourselves where we can not think blankly, you know, or just check out to lunch, but we can calm everything inside. Mm-hmm. And then we're in a great place to hear that still small voice. Yeah. And we can be still and know that He is God. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, again, spending time in Scripture, praying. Of course, you know, making our petitions known to Him is part of prayer, you know, inter- interceding, intercession, mm-hmm. but also cultivating listening. Yeah. It's a two-way street. I think I think sometimes we get into the habit of doing all the talking. Yeah, talking at God. <laughs> Yeah, he, he wants to he wants to interact with us. Mm-hmm. And can we can we be still and let him be what he wants to be to us? And sometimes it takes time mm-hmm. to begin to experience interaction with him, but but that's part of it too. Right. You know, I, I don't think he wrote a book about himself <laughs> like a love letter and and then we just have to spend our lives reading our lovers' letters. You know, the, the, the intention is to be able to communicate with us so that we can also, there comes a point where we have interaction. Mm-hmm. You know, my people know my voice. Yeah. You know, he didn't, he didn't quit talking to us. Hmm. He, wants to, he wants to communicate through circumstances, through others, mm-hmm. largely through scripture. We begin to weigh the circumstances and the things that we hear through prayer and through others, you know, through through scripture, through scriptural examples to know whether or not it's test the spirits to see whether or not they're of the Lord. Yeah. Um, but yeah, um, read scripture, pray, uh, pray fast and worship. Worship is, uh, is, is, is very significant. Um, mm-hmm. Boy. And, and, an, and a, another, another thing that I, that I got from a guy named Graham Cook, I heard him discuss this, and I and I and I did. I've done this um, numerous times, but he said sometimes when you're experiencing various whatever challenges, uh, we, we know that we that it's good to come into his presence with thanksgiving, right? Yes. So sometimes, even if we don't feel like it, we can go to him and we can just just continually give him thanks, say thank you, and and, th- and just keep, find things to thank him for, mm. and continually just be thankful until an actual spirit of thanks takes over us. Mm, yeah. And then it's like, oh my gosh. And then and then you can just literally be thankful. And, and then our circumstances can change within us and change yeah. our attitude. So just different, those are just some different different things. I hope, I hope that helps. Oh, that's great. What is your words of wisdom that you're leaving people with today? Oh, words of, well, so when you, when you asked about that earlier, for whatever reason, the, the verse came to mind in, in, in 
Proverbs where it says that the uh, the the mind of the wise is in the house of mourning. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that that's to say that you know we just all go go and hang around you know funeral homes. That's not mm-hmm. I don't think what that means. But just to say that, uh, and maybe we talked about this in one of our Tuesday night groups. I can't remember, but uh, that the that wisdom addresses the things in life that are hard to, to deal with. Yeah. And so, kind of like we talked about earlier with uh, being resolved, like shattered at me a second ago. You know, can we? Can you know? Wisdom addresses and deals with the things that are challenging life. So, with whatever kind of things you know we may be facing today uh, I just invite anyone who is is in the middle of a challenging circumstance to let your give your give yourself give ourselves permission to let the Lord meet us in the middle of these things to guide us and direct us in the in the way that he wants to address the situation that that we're in you know it could be that he wants us to, to be still and know him in the middle of something, or it could be that he needs us to get up and get moving and take some, some action to take take care of some actionable items, you know, to make something happen. But whatever the answer is, let's, um, you know, can we have the courage to go ahead and not let those circumstances move us, like mm-hmm. we talked about a few minutes ago with Paul, you know, let's not be moved by our circumstances, but let's find the peace of the Lord find the direction that we need, whatever those answers may be, simple or challenging, and uh, address them. And because wisdom addresses items and and does not, does not run from them. Yeah, that's really good. Thank you so much. And that is all the time that we have for today, you guys, but thanks for listening. And I hope you'll come back next week for another episode. Bye.